Hi, everybody. My name is Kara McCarran, and I'm the host of She's the Owner podcast. On this podcast, we're going to be featuring female founders who are at any part of their entrepreneurial journey. We will ask them the same 10 questions and see where the conversation takes us. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. It's Kara here for the She's the Owner podcast, and um, we're on episode six, I believe. And today I've got with me Brittany Finkel, and she owns a company called Happily Ever Borrowed. So um, rather than, and her and I got connected through the Female Founders Collective, um, which is amazing. I'm new to that that uh, network, and it's a really cool um, group of women, lots of women, um, which was really nice to see. A lot of engagement in that. So um, that's how her and I got connected. So I'm going to just, Brittany, if you want to just tell us the name of your, or talk about the name of your company, when, you know, why you started it, give us a bit of history about it, and then we'll kind of take it from there. Perfect. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I started Happily Ever Borrowed about eight years ago now. And basically, I was helping my sisters when they were getting married. I have three older sisters. And uh, at the time, I was in design school, and I had asked me to design their wedding dress. And I said, that's way too much pressure, especially being a student, but I will go shopping with you. Right. And when I went shopping, I realized, A, not only how bad the quality was of a lot of these gowns and accessories, but B, how expensive it was, um, and how you're only wearing this item for really one day of your life. And sometimes in a situation of like a veil, sometimes you're only wearing it for like 30 minutes. Um, so I watched my sisters, you know, spend their whole budget on the dress and then realized, oh my gosh, I want a veil and a sash and a headpiece and jewelry. And a thousand dollars later, they had overspent on their budget. And these are things, again, that they're never going to wear again. And I started my career in the luxury fashion industry. Um, actually, my entire career was in the luxury fashion industry. So I definitely appreciate you know, quality and craftsmanship and things that last a long time. But I really only believe in that if it's something that you're going to wear and have for the rest of your life. So, you know, you kind of get that cost per wear down when you have a beautiful handbag or beautiful shoes. But again, when it's something you can only wear for such a short period of time, it seems insane to spend a thousand dollars sometimes on a veil that you're only wearing for 15 minutes of your day. Um, so that's how the idea kind of started. It took me a couple of years to really get into it. I was working in the fashion industry um, and right around when Rent the Runway and Bobble Bar and Birchbox and all those female founded companies were launching in New York, I got really inspired to push forward and start the business. So we rent everything except the dress. So veils, headpieces, jewelry, sashes, jackets, um, everything that's kind of your, to accessorize you for the big day. And that's how we got our humble beginning. Nice. That's, it's, uh, I didn't even know that was a business. When I got married, it was 20 years ago and I, it was a very, it was a backyard wedding. There was not a lot of fuss <laughs> going on, but um, it's, it's true though. You really, it's not something, you're not going to wear the veil five or 10 more times. That's one time. And it does seem kind of and, wasteful and almost, you know? It is, it is. And I definitely appreciate, you know, the sentimentality of that people have towards different items. I am not that person. So it's a little hard for me to wrap my head around. Like after my wedding, I sold my wedding dress a month later. Right. <laughs> but attached and I'm not a hoarder in, in any means. I, I get rid of things when I don't want them anymore. Um, but I do understand how women feel about their wedding dress and how special it makes them feel. But all of those other little items, 
rarely do I find someone that has such a sentimental attachment to it. And if they do, then it makes sense for them, you know, to buy it and own it and love it. Um, but a majority of women don't. So that's kind of why we started our business. Nice. So what did you want to be when you grew up, when you were younger and you were thinking, I want to do this? Um, I mean, you obviously mm. you went into, well, I don't know if it's obvious. Were you always into fashion as a young kid? Um, early, early on, I would say I wanted to be a veterinarian. But then I realized that you couldn't be a veterinarian only for dogs. Um, <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> I guess you probably could now. But um, at the time, I really only liked dogs. And still don't really like other animals. So I, I expressed that idea. And very soon after, really much, I really did love fashion. And I actually, you know, took all art and fashion classes throughout high school. And then when I was ready to graduate, I wanted to do fashion design. I applied to all art schools. And my parents were like, you know, you really, you took all these AP classes and you're really good at math. Like, why don't you just apply to like one regular school. So I found online uh, Cornell University and they had a fashion design program and they're a great school that has a lot of different options. Um, and I applied and I visited and I loved it. Um, and that's where I ended up. So I did study fashion design, but after that, um, once I started my career, I really went towards the business side. Um, haven't really used my design degree until recently again. Mm. And you know, what's interesting is you're not the first female entrepreneur who wanted to be a vet. I think you might be the third or fourth on this show. Oh, wow. Yeah. So interesting. And I think it's because our I, I didn't, I wanted to be a psychiatrist or psychologist because I came from a bit of a broken home. So I think that's part of the, what we do is we just like, well, I just want to fix other people. But Every entrepreneur, female entrepreneur so far, obviously when they were younger, wanted to do something to help. And that's the interesting thing. I think that's what the, where we can say that our entrepreneurship is sort of in our DNA, because even as at a young age, you wanted to give back in some way and help your fellow man or woman. In mm -hmm. in this case, often it was by being a vet. Like you're really, I think that's the fourth person that I've had on the show that's wanted to be a vet when they were little. So that's interesting. Wow. I really love that. Yeah. Keep yeah. up that pole. It's neat. <laughs> How old were you when you realized entrepreneurship was for you? I mean, you, you, did you have any inkling when you were younger? Was it just once you were in school, you're like, yeah, I want to like finish, but I ultimately want to be my own boss. Did you have any moment where you were like, yeah, this is for me or or sort of talk me through that. Yeah, I, I still don't think I'm an entrepreneur sometimes. So I don't, I don't know if I've even realized it yet. Um, so actually, I say, you know, when I was younger, I look now and realize that I did a lot of entrepreneurial things. I was always painting everyone's nails in class, or I was selling little like friendship bracelets that you made of like the plastic lanyard or string. Um, I would draw cartoons for different people in different classes. I was pretty entrepreneurial at a young age now that I think about it. Um, but I think, you know, my, I come from a great family, a big family. Like I said, I have three older sisters and my parents and everyone had very traditional careers in medicine or engineering, or my mother was a teacher and my father was in sales. So I, I never really even thought of entrepreneurship as a path for me. Okay. So, so, well, I'll just keep, I actually have questions. So your, so your family, it seems like they're more in that traditional, like go, you know, go to university, college, get a job, be stable, all that sort of thing. Is that kind of the yeah. feeling? Yeah. So was it hard for you to say like, I'm going on my own? Were they, what were their sort of um, 
you know, like sometimes parents and family are like, what are you crazy? What you're supposed to do this. This, what do you mean yeah. entrepreneurship? Did you get any feedback like that or were they just always supportive or what was that conversation? I, like? I think, I think both. Um, so I've only gone full time two months now. <laughs> so, okay. So they still uh, have to see what's going to happen. That it was a side hustle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I would say, you know, like I, I'm still not feeling like an entrepreneur yet. I mean, it's definitely scary to not pay yourself and, you know, just be hustling and trying to make it work without a salary coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a big change for my husband and I. Um, and really it was, uh, kind of a, I would say I didn't take the leap. I kind of got like pushed off the cliff. Um, which is okay <laughs> too. Moved, which is okay too. We moved from New York city to Portland, Oregon back in January. Uh, cause my husband got a job out here and I was working remotely still for Chanel, who was my previous employer, uh, until they could find a replacement, which took about eight months. So that was through August. Um, and then that's where it kind of left me here. So I'm just taking this opportunity and this time to really focus on happily labor borrowed. Cause for eight years, I haven't been able to do that. Um, and really push and see how big I can make it. And if I can make it a sustainable business, um, that I can make a living off of. And that's kind of where I am right now. So I would, I would say I'm still, I'm definitely an entrepreneur right now. Uh, but I wouldn't say I ever knew I wanted to do it. And, and I've, I haven't really realized it yet. Well, I'll say a couple of things to that. Cause I'm a, I've been my own boss for one in one version or another for like 20 years, but the last, so my other mm-hmm. company is called the content company and that one um, I, is six years old and it, mm-hmm. it's been full-time six for six years. And when I quit my job, I was shit scared, like terrified. We had no money. Com- we had a bit of money yeah. coming in, but we had bills. And my husband at the time was a freelance writer. And we just kind of burned our boats and did what we had to do. But I find, so when you first start out, it's your feelings are exactly how everybody feels in the beginning. And I think it's important to just remember that, um, as long as you have a big enough why for why you're doing it, that will be the thing that mm-hmm. propels you. Like, uh, yeah. s- same with She's the Owner. She's the Owner makes no money. Everything I'm doing, I'm funding myself. People that I'm sending to UPW, I'm funding that right on my own right now. But the why for mm-hmm. me is so big to get. And the why for me is to have conversations like this with other women who are business owners. It's to get people to the Unleash the Power Within event. That's a huge, huge, that's all of it for me. And so, Mm -hmm. and with the content company, the why was because we wanted to do content better than anyone else. And we wanted to do it like human beings and not like machines, like everyone else does it. Mm -hmm. So I think if your why has been there for all these years, just amplify it like crazy. And, and, And it's not a question if it's sustainable. Anything is a sustainable business model, really. Like a lot of things are, you know, if you were saying I'm going to go sell like, you know, bananas on the street well that might be a little bit more challenging but like online what you're doing you know you've you've got us an established model it absolutely will go gangbusters if you believe that it will and if you have a strong enough why because now what happens which is really interesting is that it, it's like a, do you have kids not yet not yet okay so it's like it, it is very much I can I have four daughters it's it does feel a lot like that in the way that I will do anything to make those kids happy and safe um obviously okay. I want them to fail and do all the stuff they're supposed to do to learn the lessons but same thing with my business like you're gonna find 
there are things that you're going to do now that you're like, there's no way I thought I would be doing this, especially when you had Mm -hmm. the support of an employer before. Right. But if you have a big enough why, all that stuff is just, it's magic. Like it doesn't feel, you know, and the stuff that you really hate doing offload it. That's if I can give you any advice about it, if there is shit you don't like to do, even in the beginning, figure out a way to offload it. If that's your bookkeeping or your accounting or your social media or whatever the thing is, delegate. Mm -hmm. That's the biggest thing because you don't want to get bogged down because then when you get bogged down, it's like, fuck, why did I start this? I didn't start this to do all this stupid bullshit. No, you didn't. You started it because you have this passion. So really just try to focus on that. But um, so then that leads me to my next question. What was the scariest thing about pulling the trigger and making this your full-time hustle? Yeah. I mean, money, I think is the scariest thing. I think yep. like you said, obviously you have four daughters, but we're, we're working on starting a family. We're buying a house out here. Um, you know, my husband kind of laughed because he's like, okay, so we're going to do all those things and you're going to quit your job at the same time. I was like, yeah, let's, let's do it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is the time. Um, so I think, you know, all of those life changes at once are, are compounded when they're all together. So it's super scary. Um, and I think, you know, it's, it's finally about proving to myself that this business is viable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what makes it scary. It was fine when it was a side hustle and it was almost, you know, a hobby and a cute little project and, and people would be like, Oh, she does this on the side and what a great idea. And now it's like, no, this is my, you know, this is everything. For yeah. me. So it's, I think that makes it scary too. And in, in that it makes it real. And it's like, you, you're got to, put it in all or nothing because this is now the moment to make it happen. So yeah. that, that is scary. Just releasing kind of your baby into the world and being like, I have to make this work. Right. Yeah. And I mean, and that's it. Like you, now it's, you're putting your money where your mouth is and people are going to be watching. So it's different now, mm-hmm. but um, it's amazing. And you'll, I, I'm, I'll be excited to talk to you in a year from now when things are going really well and you've got all these new experiences that have happened, but Um, the biggest thing too is support, right? Like you're in a good group of women that, um, a lot of us are seasoned entrepreneurs. A lot of people are new, all that kind of stuff. But I think just making sure that we all connect this way is really important and and connect in a way that's honest. Like nothing bothers me more than when we're like, Oh, business is so fantastic. It's like, I didn't want to get out of fucking bed yesterday. How about you? You know, like, let's have that conversation because that shit happens. Um, I was back in New York um, for bridal market a couple of weeks ago and I ran into a friend who also was full-time on her bridal business. And it was just so funny to run into her because the two of us have, we both started around the same time and we've watched other businesses come and go and we're kind of the only two left. And um, she just was like, Oh my God, I'm so happy to see you. And she just like offloaded all of her like stress and like, what the fuck am I doing? And why do we do this to ourselves? (laughs) And she's like, Oh my God, I needed to see you so bad. I was like, you know, I know I don't live here anymore, but like, you can call me. We can do this like once a month where we just bitch and say, this isn't working. And like be my cheerleader right now. Cause I'm about to throw myself off the roof. And she's like, Oh, we absolutely do. So you really do need that, that community and that support to kind of get you through. And like you said, to be honest, cause I think, if we just keep watching the same shiny people be like, you can do it. Everything's awesome. I'm making millions. Like you just, 
at some point you're like, no, I need to hear from someone that it's not going exactly. to like, Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I, and that's it. Like I'm, I'm six years into my other company and I still like every day I'm like, shit, are you for real? Like, is this actually going on right now? And, and that's it. Like I, I have a, a mentor that I talked to and she's been in business um, quite a bit longer than I had at this point. And I said to her, like, when does it get where you're just like, okay, in your company? And she's like, what are you fucking talking about? And I'm like, wait, you don't like, there's not a moment where I just feel okay like, and chill. Never. And she's like, no idiot. And I was like, oh, my bad. Um, but yeah. it, it's true. Like, and mentorship is really important. Having a coach is really like, that's my sanity right there is like, so, and three of my, so I have four daughters. They're age 10 to 32, 32 is, your, uh, is my stepdaughter. But the, mm -hmm. the older two use my coach. Like we all have coaches and That's I couldn't awesome. survive without having a coach. And she's, um, she's been on the show. Uh, it was Mariola. If you want to listen back a couple episodes, she was on it. But th those kinds of things, like it, it, it's invaluable. There's no way I could mm -hmm. do what I do and start a whole other company on top of it and run my household. And I'm a single mom. Like I couldn't do it without a coach and mentorship and camaraderie and community. But it's really, really critical that we're, we're honest. Cause like, it's just, that's just how it is. You can't, we can't pussyfoot around it and our periods and PM. Like I talk about that on the show. It's all real. There's a week where yeah. you don't feel like yourself and you make bad decisions. Mm -hmm. Like, Oh my gosh. It's been like to be really real. We, since we're now trying, I have been on an IUD or birth control for my entire life. And obviously we had to take that out to start trying. And I had my first period and was like, wait, how the fuck do women go to work doing yeah. this? Like I, it's literally been my entire life, my entire working career. I never had a period at work. And I was just like, I don't understand how women do this. I don't get it. I don't get how they yep. <laughs> have to be in public like, yep. going it's, on in their lives. Like, yep. holy shit. Oh, I it's crazy. I cannot believe it. And I, it's, oh God. But you think about like, how many times a woman like, and I'll own this fully. Like I, if I'm having to do a business call, let's say, and I'm PMSing and I'm a total mm -hmm. bitch and I know it and I'm not mm -hmm. handling whatever that business situation is. I'm like, I'm sure there's women who have fired people and then looked back and thought, Oh shit. But we, because yeah. it's like this dirty thing, we're not supposed to talk about our hormones. It, we, we get, mm -hmm. people get it all twisted when really like, I've established now in my calendar, no big decisions on this particular week of the month. Yeah. And that's it because I know yeah. as soon as I'm, as soon as I'm good again and feeling like myself again, I'll be looking back and going, what the hell did I just do? Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, totally. it's a real thing. And I love, I love when we talk about it because from when you're a kid and boys get taught to say, Oh, she's on her period. Oh, she's being a bitch. And then men say it and it's villainized and it's, not something mm -hmm. we should talk about that way because it's a real thing and it's uncomfortable. Like Tony Robbins said it, I think the last time I was at UPW is like, I wouldn't want to be a woman. Like you guys have a <laughs> lot to fucking handle. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, you're, no shit. <laughs> um, yeah. So that kind of uh, segues into the next one. So, you know, as you know, She's the Owners really revolves around the feminine and masculine energies. And really, Jasmine, who was on my show a couple um, episodes ago, she puts it real. I loved how she put it. She calls it a hunter and then the gatherer. So that and that really mm -hmm. does kind of bring it, you know, to make a bit more sense, because as a in feminine energy, we are more gathering. We're more gentle. We're doing, 
you know, we're more vulnerable and thoughtful and all the things that we talk about and she's the owner. And then in the masculine, which you're going to probably discover quite a bit now as a business, like full-time business owner, we do have to be in that, you know, risk-taking, more assertive, um, getting shit done mode, which is like a hunter. So what do those two energies mean to you in terms of just how you run your life and how you're starting this business? Yeah, I think, you know, I feel like my entire life, I've known that I have a bit more masculine energy, I think, than most. Um, I can give you an example of kind of in my previous career at um, Chanel, we, my boss, who was honestly the best boss I ever had, his name was Richard Corbo, he's just the greatest, um, and really taught me everything I needed to know about like the political side of things and how to deal with specific people. And and he let me, he gave me the creative freedom to kind of do the job as I needed, but he also was the greatest mentor and leader and kind of showing me how I needed to really approach different situations with different people. And I think he really taught me a lot about feminine and masculine energy in that sense, because he was almost encouraging me often to be like, you need to use your feminine energy a lot more. Um, and he's like, because I'm watching you in meetings and I'm seeing your face in meetings and you're looking at people like you hate them. <laughs> He's like, you need to just like eliminate that face and become a little bit more softer and look a little bit more pleasant when you're in these meetings. He's like, because I'm thinking the same thing that you're thinking. He's like, but I'm smiling while I'm thinking it. And he's like, and you are like scowling. <laughs> so it's very funny. And obviously we joked about it and he's like, you're resting bitch face. Like, right. It's real. And we need to fix it because right. it's like, people are looking at you like, wow, she really doesn't respect me. And we right. can't have that. Um, and I think, you know, we even, my boss after that, she gave me a no button because I was known for saying no at the office because I just, I'm very, and I've learned this now about myself. I'm a very efficient person and I don't like wasting my time on things. So if someone comes to me with an idea that I know isn't going to work, I'm very quick to say no. And, you know, the, my second boss, Mugley Thomas, who was also amazing, she's like, listen, it might be the worst idea in the world that they're coming to you with. And you might know that we will never be able to implement this idea. She's like, but the way that you approach it with people and the way that you communicate that cannot just be like you hitting the no button and saying, go away. Like, I know you're efficient. I know you want to get things done. She's like, but you at least have to tell people, I'm going to do my hardest to look into this for you. I think that's a great idea. Let me see how we can get it done. And she's like, and maybe you don't even try. She's like, but at least make them feel like you tried. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, that I think both of them were kind of communicating to me and in, in trying to get my feminine energy a little bit more, like you said, nurturing, gathering, kind of being more of a listener, being more attentive, nurturing to other people um, before kind of just taking on that masculine energy of like myself and like, no, I got to do what I got to do and I got to get things done and move away. Um, so I think that's kind of always how I think of it in my mind. And I think, like you said, being an entrepreneur, you know, I don't sometimes have that person or that boss to tell me like, you need to tap into that again, like right. you're being really dismissive of other people. So it's, it's something that I think about a lot and really try to continue to think about on a daily basis. Cause I, I don't have someone reminding me all the time. Well, and here's the thing about it. And this is again, why I started the whole thing was it doesn't feel good for us to always been in that, be in that masculine mode. And mm -hmm. it does affect relationships. And ultimately, like for me, it affected my relationship with my kids, with my ex-husband. 
Um, and then just within who I am, right? Like in my core, I am empathetic and nurturing and patient and thoughtful and vulnerable and sensual and intuitive. But if I'm always mm-hmm. in like hunter mode or masculine energy mode, I'm not able to, I don't get to have those juicy feminine feelings often because I'm too busy mm-hmm. like getting shit done and blah, blah, you know, and like, but it, it is off-putting. Like that, that's the, that's the reality at the end of the day, it's off-putting to ourselves, but other people don't like it. Right. Like you, you get to this point where you're like, I, that's a lot of energy this woman's bringing to the table and it's a little intimidating and I'm not feeling because still, you know, when you're dealing with people, we want to feel a certain way. We don't want to, you know, always be on guard or, or feeling like things aren't really moving um, in, in more flow. But um, mm-hmm. it's interesting that they, they saw that in you. And that's the thing, like the masculine is going to drive your company, but mm-hmm. it is important. You're going to have to self-police really, you know, and, and catch yourself when you're doing it again. And, um, but I, I feel like just having the conversation does me, I'm, I'm certainly way more aware of it now than I've ever been before where I'm like, eh, am I showing up too much? Like, you know, like butchy and manny right now, or could I soften a bit in this situation? Um, And sometimes it just takes like me taking a couple of breaths and just like, okay, where am I at right now? But it feels really good to have that balance. And I know as women, we don't right now because we're trying so hard to move the needle in our companies that you just end up forgetting that other side of you. And that was really the the catalyst for this was I realized I really don't feel like this soft, loving person I am inside. I feel too much like a bitch and I need to fix that. Yeah. So I appreciate I your honesty about in, it. Oh, of course. I think I'm lucky in the sense of my business naturally brings out such yeah. a feminine energy. For sure. It's based around weddings and emotions and feelings. Um, and I know how I felt on my wedding day and, and how I wanted to feel. And for these women, you know, when I'm talking to them and when I'm talking to future brides and helping them make these decisions, I think it's all feminine energy because it's Mm -hmm. all about wanting to feel special and and wanting to look beautiful and really tapping into that. So I think, you know, maybe it was just about, you know, being in a more corporate environment that really brought that out in me. And um, I definitely, that's part of my my nature and my core in my work style but I think naturally working on my business in this more feminine energy way I think is it comes a lot more natural because of just the sentiment of what I'm doing yeah and that's beautiful that's good that'll and that that's that's what will feel amazing to you as you continue to grow um, in the business. And then, you know, you don't forget yeah. about the other side because you don't want people taking, sh- you don't want to take shit from anyone. So it's important to exactly. balance. Um, so what I'll do bring you- bring th- that no button right yeah. back out. <laughs> Just bring it to every meeting. Um, mm-hmm. So what do you think about personal development? Um, like how deep is your knowledge on, you know, not just Tony Robbins, but like, have you spent, is it new for you? Are you starting to look into it? Kind of give me a sense of where you're at in that journey. I've spent a lot more time, uh, I would say, even in the past couple of years on personal development. I think, um, you know, it really did start in the past five years at my career at Chanel that they were, they had really tapped into who I am and how they wanted me, how they wanted me to be as a leader and were very, very nurturing in that way. So I'm super grateful for that. Um, And I think also when I, finally was managing people. I took it upon myself to really research and start listening to a lot of podcasts about what it means to be a good manager. And because I finally had those amazing bosses that kind of 
led me in that way and and taught me what I needed to know, I wanted to be able to do that for my direct reports as well. So I would say it really started back then. Um, And from an entrepreneurial side, I've been having to develop myself for the past eight years because I didn't know how to do anything. Um, So everything was research and education um, and taking classes. And I would say, especially within the past year now, um, knowing that I was going to take this leap and really knowing that I was jumping into this. Um, I've done a lot of different courses. I've listened to a lot of different podcasts um, on a myriad of different subjects, whether it be like very business-based or just more, you know, how to be an entrepreneur, how to be more personally in tune. Um, I've been, I just finished Marie Forleo's latest book. Oh, cool. I want to get her Um, on the podcast. That's a goal of mine. Oh my gosh. She's amazing. And she's, she's one of those people who's definitely rah-rah, but I think she really has a good sense of her feminine and masculine energy and really balances it really well. And, um, I really love her. I love Jenna Kutcher. I take a lot of her courses and listen to her podcast religiously. I listen to Tony Robbins podcasts all the time. So I do, I think personal development for me really comes through in podcasts a lot. Um, it's kind of the way I love to, to listen and learn. Um, and then also, like I said, I, I've taken a couple of courses now too to try to. And you said forward. you wanted to go to a live event sometime, right? I think you said in your. Oh my God, I would love that. Yeah. It's, a, it's good. Yeah, I can tell you it's amazing. Uh, I'm yeah. about to go to the fifth one on uh, November 6th. And um, that's so awesome. Yeah, like the whole goal is to really continue to network and build the community where we can serve and send a thousand women to the event um, because it is life changing. Like there's no other way to mm-hmm. say it. It's um, like I listened to Tony, or I read actually Tony when I was probably about 23, 24. And, um, and I, I didn't start going to live events until 2017 where I, when I went to business mastery in uh, mm-hmm. Vegas and it was amazing. It was five days. They te- tear your business apart and then build it back up from the ground and to this amazing thing. And then I went to UPW, um, a year later and it kicked my ass. I was so cocky mm-hmm. going in. Cause I'm like, I've read everything and I did business mastery and he was there and blah, blah, blah. But what I was not prepared for was that it was zero to do with your business and all to do about your own bullshit beliefs and all the stuff that gets clogged up in your brain. And Mm -hmm. it was hard. Like my first UPW was real. I wanted to leave after like the first four hours. I was like, this is bullshit. Mm -hmm. I'm done. And um, I stayed and I'm obviously I'm happy I stayed. I did the firewalk that day. And um, every time I've go and I don't go just as a attendee, I go as a crew member. I've gone twice to crew that's a special experience mm-hmm. like that is indescribable too, but I always get something. I'll get something out of it this time. There's always some little mm-hmm. blind spot or nugget that you didn't think was there that you're like, shit, I thought I fixed that. I thought I dealt with that. And you're like, nope. Um, mm-hmm. So I highly recommend it. If you ever have the opportunity to go, um, it's, it's a good, it's good. It's a, it's a kindergarten compared to the other events. I'll just say that. Yeah. But okay. <laughs> it's good. And you get to say you walked on fire. So, um, I know. I love so, it. so this one's a little bit of a funny question. Um, I, and I always say, I'm not sure if I'm going to ask it, but I always end up asking it just to see what, what you guys mm-hmm. say. Um, but do you think you have to choose between being a family person and devoting family time and a business? Or do you think you can do both successfully? I mean, I think I've at the critical point of asking myself Mm -hmm. that right now. Um, (laughs) I think one of our 
biggest fears as a couple is, you know, because we do want to start a family, being able to support that child in this world. And I think, you know, we're obviously fine and we feel so blessed and lucky that even going from New York to Portland that we've like, we already feel rich just leaving New York. We're we're doing great (laughs) in that sense. Um, But I think, you know, it's just funny. And and my husband says it really eloquently actually of, of just, we've never, we've been super lucky in our lives to have great careers and to never have to think about money. We've just always been able to spend on what we want to spend on and do what we want to do. And that's obviously the life that we want to create for our children and be able to obviously make them work and like we did, but you know, for them to not feel ever like we need to struggle for something that we need in our life, not want, but right. need. Um, and I think that becomes really hard and difficult when you talk about starting your own business, because it does become your other baby and you are putting everything else into it. And it's, it's definitely hard to juggle. Um, so I, I think we're, Obviously, I know people have done it and I know people can do it and I know I can do it because I feel like I'm a master multitasker. I love when all the balls are up in the air. Like that's how I thrive. I do best in situations when I'm doing a lot of things at once. So I, you know, and obviously you can tell as we're like, we're buying a house and trying to start a family and start a business all at the same time. Like no point in going slow with you. Just, no, like, let's just do it. Get them all out there at the same time. Even actually also wanting a dog, finally, because probably my entire life, me wanting to be a vet and wanting a dog is because I was never allowed to have one growing right. up. So, like, my husband's like, you're a crazy person. Like, you need to do one thing at a time. And it's just so funny how different we are. Um, but it's really great because we get to have that checks and balances with each other right. on, on how our, our natures are. So I, I think... I don't think you should have to choose between family and business, but I do think people make decisions in life based on what's best for their family versus what's best for their business sometimes. And that's okay. Yeah. Um, you know, I might have to go back to full time because we might feel like, okay, I want to support this baby and babies are expensive and they're not really, I just want to tell you that I just got to jump in there. Babies really, I don't know why we have this myth perpetuating in the world. They're really not like if you, there, I have four kids. Like even when they're older, mm-hmm. sure they can get you know if you want them in forty different classes and all that kind of shit for sure. But right. when they're babies, right. like you're buying diapers and breastfeeding if if that's your choice, but that's free. Um, yeah. But it's really not like I and I and I'm only saying that because I don't I don't want women to think um, it's this giant expense that's going to bog them. It's real. It's not. It's not like that. Like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you can like especially in the first year or two or even before school, like it's not that it's really not cost is not the thing that you're, you're tapping into it's energy and time, Mm -hmm. but cost is not really that big a factor. Truly it isn't. And I mean, I've like, my kids have wanted for nothing and I've, and I'm certainly not uh, at the level of abundance financially that I want to be. I've got much loftier goals, but my kids have never wanted for, for nothing. They want your time. So that, that is definitely mm-hmm. a challenge when you're a female business owner, but yeah, it, don't, don't too worry too much about that kind of stuff. Like, you know, you, the, you get what you get in the beginning, you know, car seats, all that kind of stuff. But the, the life of a baby can be very, it's, it doesn't have to cost a lot. Um, but the balance is in, you know, trying to breastfeed or feed your baby while you're on your computer, trying to answer an email there. That's where the right. thing will get a little, can get a little dicey, but 
I don't, I've not chosen between one or the other. There's definitely, I have a very good support system with my ex-husband, their dad. So when I need to travel Mm -hmm. and it sounds like you'll probably need to travel somewhat too. That's, those are the kinds of things that are really help make it happen. Um, And then the kids get to see, and this is something Mariola said on, on our show, they get to watch mom kicking ass right? Like, and that's a lesson. So we get stuck in like, Oh shit, am I working too much? I do. I still do it. My kids are 10, um, 18, 22 and 32. And I still, sometimes I'm like, Oh, cause she's only 10, but get this, this kid started a business last week at school. She's Mm -hmm. 10. So I'm doing okay. Right. Like she knows I love her. She knows she comes to the podcast studio with me. Sometimes she'll come, she's on, here's all my sales calls. I'm doing all right. I'm not neglecting her. I'm teaching her to be a boss. And I think we don't celebrate that enough either. We get stuck in, because what, what's the alternative? I'm going to sit at my ass on the couch and watch a movie with her all the time. That's not teaching her anything. I'm with her. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think it's exciting. Like the idea to be a new mom and, and starting a business, it, it, you know, you can always reach out to me if you're like, holy shit, lady, what were you talking about? This is hard. And I will talk <laughs> you off the ledge, but I'm, it's, it's, um, it's a beautiful thing and, and um, you'll be fine. Just, there's never a perfect yeah. time either. So you guys are trying. So who knows uh, yeah. when it'll happen. I'm, I'm it's all good. Much, exactly. I'm very much a, like, it's all going to be work. It's all going to work out. Everything it's is figure outable. Everything is figure outable. I, I, I read go. the book and I believe it <laughs> and I've been saying it my entire life. So it's, it's very easy for me to tap into that and just That's be like, awesome. yeah, it's, it's, we're going to figure it out. It's going to be fine. Um, and everyone in my family and my husband and my parents, my sisters, they're all very supportive, but they're also there to, you know, help me be like, have you thought about this? You sure. know, they're, they're definitely not naysayers, but they are realist you know, all in very realist and very different paths in their life so right um i'm so grateful to have all of those That's opinions awesome. and, and different thoughts and and be supported in different ways and when you're in your feminine which is really being in your heart you're going to know the answer to whatever comes up anyway like that's the beautiful mm-hmm. part about the feminine energy is we know intuitively we know the answer and we might get stuck in hearing other people's opinions and da 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 but ultimately when we get still we know the answer and you'll know the answer too so um anyway that's that's it for the for the episode um thank you so much um for coming on and i'm so pumped for your you know the next like i said i want to talk to you in a year and get you back on and see where things are at then and all the cool shit that's happened and maybe some funny stories um but yeah, I wish you nothing but amazing success. And um, thank you for coming. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's really, it's been an awesome conversation. And yeah, I look forward to having a lot more. Yes. Beautiful. All right. We'll talk soon. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Bye.